Awesome, awesome. Y'all can be seated as we begin this morning. We are going to be wrapping up our series on the names of God. I hope that you have enjoyed them. I certainly have gotten a lot out of them myself as we've been studying through all of these. And before we even get to the name of God this morning, I want to ask us all a question. And I know I do this a lot. I ask questions. But the reason that I have us ask questions is because if we don't, if we're, if we're not looking inward of ourselves, or we're not self-aware of things in our own life, right, then we never grow. Because what we do is we blame other people for what's going on in our life. We blame other situations for our life and we never look inwardly, right? And so we say, oh, if it was just for them, if they didn't do this, or if this situation wasn't happening, blah, 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 blah. But there's nowhere in the Bible where someone is complaining to God about someone else and he goes, you know what? You're right, they're jerks. <laughs> if they weren't around, everything would be peachy keen. Right? If this situation wasn't taking place, everything would be just hunky-dory, right? And God doesn't, he doesn't come up and put his arm on us, oh, it's okay. You're so awesome and they're all terrible. You know what he says? Even if it's true, even if these people or these situations in our lives are causing us a lot of damage, his response is this. Listen, I got that. Let's talk about you. Let's, let's look at you in this. Let's examine ourselves and what's going on here, right? And so the question that I want to ask us all this morning is who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? During this, this time that we are living in, and I think we can all agree that 2020 has been a rough, a rough year, right? A little bit, trial after trial after trial. I mean, I can't have a conversation with anyone that doesn't have a story of their own. 2020 is not picking on you, all right? We, are, we all have our own stories, but we're all, none of us are unique to, to the trials of this year. It's been happening to all of us. Different shapes, different sizes, all this, whatever. But we all have had these. And I wonder if it's been wasted on us. I wonder if the things that we're walking through in this year have been wasted on our walk with the Lord. Or maybe are we elongating it a little bit by just blaming people in circumstances rather than looking at ourselves and saying, God, who am I becoming in this? Not who was I. And that's a great thing to focus on. Look, that's our testimony of who I was. The Bible speaks to standing on that. But the danger in that is if we only look back at who we were, we're forgetting that there's still more to come. And what our testimony needs to be is an evolving one, where in a year from now, we look back on who we are today and say, that's not me now. Just like today, we look back on the person that we were a year ago or five years ago and say, that's not who I am today. It is an ever-evolving thing. And how we get to that place is by looking inwardly, not outwardly at everything else and everybody else. And we ask the question, who am I becoming? So that's what we're going to do today because the name of God that we're going to study this morning is Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies. It's a big word. It's an awesome word. And at times it can be a little intimidating. But hopefully after today, we're going to see it as an amazing thing, that the Lord sanctifies us. And before we go any further, what we need to look is exactly at the grammar of that title. The Lord who sanctifies, right? Not who sanctified, as in it's done, or who will sanctify one day. But as we are sitting in this room, and as you go about your day today and tomorrow and the next day, the Lord is sanctifying you and sanctifying me, because the work and the job is never done with us. Amen. 
right? We are a work. We're a work. And God is patient and he's faithful to sanctify us every day. And that's not something that we run from. It's something that we run to. Because that's where we find change. That's where we find healing. That's where we find growth and deliverance, whether the circumstance changes or not. All right? It's not about the circumstance. It's about us and the Lord sanctifying us. John chapter 17, starting in verse 17, says this. Jesus is is praying to God over the disciples. And this is his prayer to the Lord in 17. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. All right, and that is a prayer that he's praying over the disciples, and it's a prayer that he's praying over us, because if we're followers of Jesus, then we're his disciples as well. And there's two things that I want to point out about this very short verse, all right, that are very, very important in terms of being sanctified, being made holy is what that means, being made more holy every day in our walk with the Lord. As Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. The first one is this, we do not sanctify ourselves. I'm going to say that again. We do not sanctify ourselves. And if you have ever shared the gospel with somebody, probably multiple times especially, you are going to come across this answer. Yeah, that sounds great, but let me just get my life together a little bit better first, right? And maybe we've even said that. You've been called to serve in the church or do that. Yeah, 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 that sounds great, but... Let me just get my things in order first. That is us trying to sanctify ourselves. Saying, let me fix my own problems and then I'll come to Jesus. Listen, that ain't the gospel. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, I'm gonna take you right where you are at and I'm gonna take that stuff and I'm gonna clean it up and I will sanctify you. You don't try and do it on your own. That's religion. That's practicing church. That is not following Jesus. And the devil will tell you over and over again, that is up to you to sanctify yourself. And that will lead to you beating your head against a wall. Because it is not our job to sanctify ourselves. Jesus prayed, God, you sanctify them. Why? Because he knew they can't do it. They can't do it. And so what Jesus is doing in this prayer and what God does with us every day is he takes that burden off of us, of works, of trying to live up to this standard and says, I got this. I got this. And the other thing in this verse that we, we need to discuss is how he does it. First, who, he does, who does it, and that's God. How he does it is with his truth. With his truth. What is his truth? The word of God. This right here. This is his truth. Unchanging, never failing, perfect in every way, word of the Lord. Now, why is that important? Because a lot of times, I'm just going to speak for myself here. I'm not going to say we. I'm going to say me here. I sanctify myself by my truth. And my truth says, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. My truth is subjective to me and what I'm going through in that moment. God's truth is absolute truth. We study this in my 10th grade Bible class at the beginning of every year. Absolute truth, God's word, versus relative truth, our truth. (laughs) And this truth, relative truth, changes by circumstances and situations and the people involved. 
Absolute truth says, no, this is the truth. Absolute truth says, yeah, I got that. What about you? It makes us look inwardly. And the great thing about this word of God is when we read it, if we allow it to, it reads us. And so that should be our prayer every day when we open the word of God, is to say, God, as I read this, read me. Read me in this moment. I want to be sanctified today. I want to be more holy than I was yesterday. I want to know you in a greater way. And it's not about what I bring to the table. It's your job to do that. So speak to me through your word that sanctifies me. And if that's our prayer, God will speak to us. David says this in Psalms 139, starting in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What is David saying here? Say, search me, God, me. Look at my heart. And if there's anything that is unclean, bring it up to the surface and get it out of me. Get it out of me, Lord. I'm bringing myself to you. I'm not talking about this person or that person or whatever's going on. This is about me and you. So look in my heart, God, and get it out of me. As I read your word, speak to me on the things that I need to do to draw closer to you. And that's what it's about, and he will do that. And I want to talk about what that looks like this morning. And this next story is, is, a, is a cool one because it's Jesus in a nutshell to me. It's challenging because Jesus is challenging, but it's also encouraging, all in the same thing. Jesus will challenge us, but with every challenge, he will also encourage us right along with it. He never leaves us out, right? He never just go. And really what this morning, what I, my prayer was for this morning in this word was not to bash us, but that this word this morning would draw us back to the Lord would draw us back to Jesus. And I believe that, look, I believe that is exactly what this entire year has been about. Is drawing, God is drawing us back to him. And there's been a lot of us that have been trying to just do it all ourselves. And he will strip things away and strip things away and strip things away until he gets to the root of the issue. And I believe the root of the issue for the church and for the believers of the church is come on back. Come on back to me. For the church, it's been wake up. Wake up! It's not about this or that and the other. It's about Jesus. So church, come back to me. And in our homes, come back to me. And you know, my walk with the Lord, come back to me. And we're out here doing and trying to sanctify ourselves and being all busy and all this and all that. And he's saying, no, 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 come back to me. I sanctify you. Stop worrying about the works. Come back to me. I feel like I say this every week. But that's what God's been saying. Come back, church. So if, if, you, if you're sitting here and you're hearing these things, don't be, I don't, oh my gosh, where do I even start? You're, you're going right back to the video what we're trying not to do. He's saying, come back to me. And this is what he says in John chapter 15, starting in verse one, Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. He prunes. That's not a fun word. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear every, every branch or vine that bears fruit. He gives a hearty pat on the back, right? But it doesn't say that. It says that he prunes us. Anyone in here, you don't have to, well, maybe raise your hand. I don't know if you want to. 
feel like this entire year has been one pruning session. Like, all right, God, I get it. Point taken. He's pruning us all here. Why, though? So that we can bear more fruit. So that we can bear more fruit. And if you're a parent, you know that as soon as one lesson is done, there's another one waiting right around the corner, right? Our seventh-month-old slept through the night one time before she started teething. So we spent all this energy trying to sleep train her. We finally did it one night. Thank you, Jesus. Jesse and I are weeping in bed. Hallelujah. And then all of a sudden she starts teething the very next night. So that was gone, all right? And if it's not that, it's your potty training onto something else. And, and Lord Jesus, we ain't in the teenage years yet. For those that are, just Jesus, thank you, Father, for them. By a blessing over them, especially right now. I'm dreading that day. Kind of not. But there's always something else. There's always something else. And how much more then, like we, we think God's going to leave us alone? If as parents, we're always, you know, trying to get more out of our kids. Don't you think God's going to do so even more? as our perfect heavenly father. So he prunes us because he loves us and he knows that there's more. And think about that for a second. We serve a whole, the holy God, not a, he is the holy God. It, holiness is who he is. Holiness comes from God. And as our heavenly father, he's drawing us into that holiness. He's not saying, no, 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 you don't measure up. Sorry about that. You got to stay over there. This holiness is me. He doesn't do that. He draws us closer and closer to his holiness. And he does so by pruning us. We talked the other day in our elders meeting about how the word retirement is not in the Bible, right? You can look, correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if I speak, I mean, whatever. Job, I don't know if you know the story of Job. He was about, he was at the age where he would normally retire. Right? And that's when the story starts for him. So just think about that for a second. And so we, we feel like, you know, in earthly terms that once, once, how many of us, once we get to this place, everything's going to be cool, right? Once I hit retirement, once our kids graduate, once, our, once, once, once. And Jesus is like, once? What are you talking about? I'm the Lord who sanctifies. It keeps going. It keeps going. And so he's going to prune us and prune us so he can draw us closer and closer and closer to him. And that is not something to run away from. That is something to run towards. Amen. He says this in verse three. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So in other words, listen, you're saved. You got the gospel. You've been justified by your faith. Now what? Verse four, here's the encouraging part. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He's, he's putting us in our place here a little bit, defining the roles. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Here it is. For without me, you can do nothing. You can almost read that and almost get a little upset if you're trying to sanctify yourself. What do you mean I can't do anything without you? Listen, this is not a condemning verse. This is a freeing verse. Jesus is saying, look, don't even try. It's not gonna work. 
It's not going to work. I'm telling you the ending before you even get started. Apart from me, it, it's not going to work. You can do nothing without me. But if you just abide in me, I'll abide in you. I'm going to sanctify you. Those things that you were struggling with today, I will get you through. And there will be a day, if you abide in me, where you won't struggle with him anymore. The doubt, the fear, the addictions to alcohol, drugs, pornography, adultery, I'm gonna get you through those. But don't try and do it on your own. It's not gonna work. But if you abide in me, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, if you sit at my feet, if you get in my word, if you come to me every day and just say, God, forgive me, I'm sorry. I repent of this. He will get us through. He says it, not me. That is God's promise to us. And it's not about all the works. It's simply about living with him. And like we sang this morning, giving him control, giving him control, turning it over to him. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this. This is Paul talking. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. My favorite part of that verse is what Paul, Paul's opening words, being confident of this. Paul knows it's gonna happen. He's not saying, I think God will do a work in you until the day of Christ. Jesus says, I know God will do a work in you. you know why? Because God's not a quitter. And he will never quit on you. God will never quit on you. And there are, there are some of us watching online this morning and some in this room that I believe need to hear that right now. God is not about to quit on you. Don't give up on him. He will not quit on you. Charles Spurgeon says this, where is there an instance of God's beginning any work and leaving it incomplete? Show me for once a world abandoned and thrown aside half formed. Show me a universe cast off from the great potter's wheel with the design and outline, the clay half-hardened, and the form unshapely from incompleteness. God finishes what he starts and he will finish the work in you. But we have to let him, amen? We have to let go and understand that this is God's job. And so eliminate Eliminate that sentence from your vocabulary that says, yeah, I just got to do this first. That's not the Lord. That is the devil trying to keep you from the Lord rescuing you by making you do it because the devil knows better than you that you're going to fail at it. He knows just as well as Jesus knows that we can't do it. Well, so where Jesus says, give it to me, Satan says, no, you keep trying. And then we don't go anywhere. If anything, we go backwards. We fall deeper into our addictions, deeper into our fears, deeper into our worries because we keep putting it on ourselves. When God's saying, I'm right here and I'm gonna finish the work. You think it was good at this one point? Oh, it's gonna get a lot better. And it's just gonna keep getting better and keep getting better. And it just snowballs because the closer that we get to him, the better that it gets. Amen. The closer that we get to him, the better that it gets. Paul knew out of his own experience, 
He understood that he was valuable to the Lord. When God looks at us, he doesn't see swampland something that's not able to be developed. He sees this beautiful piece of land where he wants to plant a house and inhabit our hearts. He wants to build a garden and have a chicken coop, a couple dogs running around, right? Maybe an maybe a ATV. I don't know, this is my dream. <clears throat> but when he looks at you, the reason that he doesn't quit on you is because he sees something incredibly valuable to invest in. You are not a wasteland. And he wants to see the work through. Paul himself understood this because of his own life. We're going to read these next two verses. I'm going to have the band come up. We'll wrap things up this morning. Acts chapter 22, verse 19. Paul says, But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you in prison and beaten. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I was standing by and approving and I guarded the clothes of those who killed him. This is Paul talking about his own life. I'd arrest people in the synagogues. I would hold the clothes of those being killed, martyred in your name. And I stood by and approved. God didn't quit on Paul. You know why? Because he never saw Saul. He saw Paul. He saw Paul in those moments. And he said, I am going to sanctify that guy right there. Another instance, John chapter 1, verse 42. Now, when Jesus looked on him, talking about Peter, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. When Jesus met Simon for the very first time, he didn't see Simon. He saw Peter. And yes, he saw the one who jumped out of the boat to walk on water and began to sink. He saw the guy who cut off the Roman guard's ear. He saw the guy who denied Jesus three times in Jesus' most desperate hour. And he never quit on him. What he saw was the rock of the new church. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see who you are today. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. He sees who you are going to continue to be because he's going to finish the work and he's going to sanctify you. And the things that you're struggling with now, if you allow him in, you won't struggle with anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna borrow from one of Jason's tactics here and quote T.D. Jakes, who says, you can't be filled again if you're still full of what was. You want a new work? You gotta get emptied out. You want to be made even more holy? You got to let God in. And you got to stop doing it all yourself. And we're going to sing this song, New Wine, again. And I want us, as we close, to sing it as a prayer. But here's the thing don't sing it mindlessly. Don't just sing along because it's what we're singing in church and that's what you're doing. Consider the words, because these are powerful words. And if you're singing them, mean it. Because if you listen to them, there's some heavy stuff in there. You make me a vessel. You do it. I lay down my own life. Are we ready to? Serious question. Are you ready to? Because guess what? When we lay down our lives for the Lord, it more than likely ain't gonna go the way that we thought it would. Yeah, I'm gonna lay down my life, but take me this way and on this path. 
doing this thing. When we give in full submission, we give with no strings attached. Because if we're trying to hold on that little bit, we're still trying to sanctify ourselves and we're still in complete control. We want something new, we got to get rid of what was. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 16, we'll close with this. Oh, we got two more actually. It says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. I believe God is making the church a new wineskin. I believe it. Because he wants to pour some new wine into the church. Jesus Chapel included. New people, new anointing, new depths. But we need new wineskins. We got to let go of what was. And embrace what God, what the new things that God wants to do is. And here's, here's the ultimate thing right here. This is what I love. Malachi 3 verse 3. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. That is the work of God. We came to him with nothing and he's refining us into silver and gold so we can offer sacrifices of righteousness to him. Let's stand up this morning. I'm going to pray for us. And especially this morning for those that have been trying to do it all on their own. For those of us in here and those watching online that maybe haven't given God full control. And we're in a bad place, a hard place, a frustrated place, a fearful place. We're saying this morning, let's just agree. God, you take it. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to abide in you and I'm going to allow you to work these things out that are in my heart and in my mind. Allow you to make me holy. Father, thank you, Jesus, for your patience, for your long suffering for us, Lord. That you don't just settle and say, well, that's good enough. They've come far enough. But you're always working in us, always drawing us closer to you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would forgive us when we've tried to assume that role of being our own sanctifier, our own person that makes us holy, and that you would do it for us, God, that we would learn what it means to abide in you, that we would forget about everybody else, and we would continue to ask that question, who am I becoming? What is my testimony tomorrow going to be? And the day after that, and the day after that, Father, I pray, Lord, that we as a church would respond to your calling of come back to you. God, that we would run to you in our homes, in our workplaces, in our marriages, with our children, in one-on-one, God, that we would turn back to you. We would lay everything else down and we would make it all about you. Thank you, Jesus. Lift that burden of religion that burden of works, of trying harder off of our shoulders, Father. And teach us, Father, what it means to abide in you, our great God. And we thank you, Lord, that we can say, just like Paul did all those hundreds of years ago, 
that we are confident that you are going to finish the work that you've begun in each one of us. Father, we offer this song up to you as a prayer. We offer this song up to you as a prayer this morning. Bring that new wine skin and pour out your new wine. God, we're desperate for it. We're desperate for that new wine. We want it, Father. God, we cry out for it, Lord. God, we pray, Jesus, for a revival in this place, Father, for new salvations in this place, for miracles in this place, oh God. Yes, Jesus, pour out that new wine, God. Make us new wineskin, Father. Lord, we ask it of you, whatever it takes, Jesus, do a new work in us so that we can receive the blessing that you have ready on this place. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yes, Father, do a new work in us, God. If that's what it takes, if that's what you're calling us to, make us that new wineskin, Father, so that we can be ready for what you have. God, we keep asking for more, but we, we forget that it, we got to change too. You're calling us to more as well. We're ready, Father. Do a work in us, God. Continue to sanctify us. So we sing this song as a prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.